I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about a breakthrough in decoding brain activity using Pink Floyd, an anatomy class that would be a hit at Gotham University, and an everyday germ-blowing machine. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. Researchers have figured out a way to play Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall. Okay, I can do that on my phone, and I'm not exactly a scientist. Ah, yes, but the stereo they were tuning into is a human brain. Wait, what? The brain is playing the song? Sort of. The brain is listening to the song, and machine learning is decoding the activity in the brain and recreating the song. Okay, if you were listening to my brain right now, you just hear me saying, what the heck are you talking about? Well, let's go back a little bit here. We, we, we've talked about decoding brain patterns in the past. And for decades, researchers have tried different ways of figuring out what we see or hear or even think just by looking at our brain activity. Right. Okay. I actually remember some of these stories. The idea is that for folks who have lost certain abilities due to injuries or medical conditions, having a machine that could kind of read your mind would be a pretty handy tool. Yeah, exactly. So one of those cognitive neuroscientists who's been working on this for more than a decade is Robert Knight from the University of California in Berkeley. In 2012, he and a team of scientists were the first to reconstruct audio recordings of words that patients with implanted brain electrodes had heard. I do remember hearing about that. The people in the study basically heard words, and computers were able to tell what words they were hearing, right? Yeah, that's basically it. And since then, other teams have done the same thing with images. In one case, a participant in a study imagined an image of a giraffe, and an AI model was able to reproduce it. But those are all basically static details, not to minimize these achievements because, I mean, they're actually huge, but a single word is just a word, right? I mean, Dr. Knight wanted to push the limits. And I guess music is a bit more complicated than an image or a single word. Totally. Music involves pitch and tone and rhythm. You know, there are complex chords and different instruments. Music moves. So Knight and his team enlisted the help of 29 participants who already had a postage stamp-sized electrode implanted on the surface of their brains to monitor for epileptic seizures. (laughs) It's kind of like, hey, you've already done the hard part by having electrodes implanted. Why not listen to some music? (laughs) Something like that. The research team had patients listen to Pink Floyd while the electrodes recorded the electrical activity in different parts of their brains. An AI system analyzed the brain data to see which parts lit up in response to different musical elements like tone and rhythm and lyrics. The AI used this brain info to reconstruct garbled but recognizable versions of the song. Garbled. Okay, so it's like listening to the wall on that cheap little Walkman I had when I was a kid. Right. And not only were they able to recreate the music, it turns out certain brain areas dig uh, different musical vibes. Like some parts like the vocals, others the synth tones, and others like the sick guitar solos. 
<laughs> That's kind of cool. And well, and the coolest part, scientists think this research could help develop brain-computer interfaces to help people who can't speak communicate again by decoding brain patterns. And it's a giant leap beyond just decoding words. This means that machines can translate tone and meaning and even add emphasis for effect. It, you know, it's the difference between a robot voice saying, I love you, and <laughs> screaming that phrase from the rooftops. Okay, I never thought about that part of it. But our voices communicate more than just language. The way we speak seems to mean just as much as the words we use. There's more work to do improving the brain recordings and making the reconstructed sounds clearer. They'd also love to find a way to monitor brain patterns without having to <clears throat> implant sensors directly on the brain. Yeah, that part seems like a bit of a hurdle to overcome. But they're just a B-side away from reading minds and jamming out to Pink Floyd. It'll be a real brain-computer party. <laughs> okay, what do Deadpool, Elastigirl, and Groot all have in common? Uh, okay, okay. my kind of question. Um, superheroes, uh, okay, Deadpool, Elastigirl, Groot is, uh, that's tougher than I imagined. They're all super neat. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's definitely something they all have in common. But there's another thing. They're all being used to teach human anatomy in a new experimental class at the Ohio State University called Super Anatomy. They are using fictional superheroes to teach college students about human anatomy. All right, how does that work? Groot, for instance, he's not even human. That's a tree, I think. <laughs> so it turns out that anatomy isn't the easiest class on Earth. I mean, yeah, it's uh, all but impossible. Like, you really have to want to learn anatomy to take that class. Not only is basically everything in Latin, but looking at the human body through such clinical eyes can be kind of jarring. It sounds like you have some experience. Don't worry about it. Let's just say that class put a major strain on the old cerebrum. <laughs> That's where super anatomy comes in. Instructors were looking for a way to get students to stick around and feel more motivated by the subject matter. Motivation and determination usually leads to success, right? And what could be more motivating than superheroes? All right. Well, I'll, I'll say that makes some sense. But how does it work? Well, to make the class a little less scary, they use the superheroes to explain some of the more complex anatomy concepts. Like they use Deadpool superhealing to demonstrate tissue repair. And Elastigirl's flexibility demonstrated the concept of hyperflexibility. They even brought in old Wolverine to see how his claws would affect his musculoskeletal system. All right, that is uh, super cool. <laughs> but what about Groot? Skin disorders. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, all of this sounds great, but did the students actually learn anything about actual anatomy? All right. Like any good scientist, they made a study out of it. Melissa Quinn, an associate professor of anatomy at Ohio State, was one of the senior authors of the study comparing outcomes of the students in the superanatomy class to outcomes in the regular human anatomy class. 36 of the superanatomy students joined the study, while just over 440 students in the traditional class took part. They all took a quiz at the beginning of the class to establish baseline knowledge, and then another quiz at the end to see how much information they retain. So were the super anatomy students super smart in the end? I Okay, I don't know about that, but the study found that they, in fact, learned just as much as the students in the traditional anatomy class. Not only that, they reported being more engaged in the subject matter and more motivated to participate in the course. 
Like, maybe they just had more fun? Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that the same concepts were taught in each class. It's just that the delivery of the lessons were changed in the Supernatomy course. Hmm. Dang, if only I had taken Supernatomy, I wouldn't have gotten a... What'd you get? <laughs> uh, A minus. Uh-huh, sure you did. Yep. Your super fibbing needs a little bit of work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know those warm, cushy hand blowers in bathrooms at the movie theater that like whoosh your hands all squeaky clean? I mean, there's nothing like a warm gust of hot air after dipping your hands into that really cold tap water at the mall. Those things have been around for decades, but lately they've gotten kind of high tech. Well, according to a researcher, these handy-dandy hand dryers are making your hands filthy. Yeah, I think I heard something about this during the pandemic. If I recall, the idea was that they're actually blowing around the germs that are already in the air, right? That was the thinking. If a virus like the coronavirus is spread through the air, then you might not want to create a whirlwind of it in a small enclosed space. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. So are they rethinking that now? No, it's actually worse than that. According to a researcher, those hand dryers are like little neighborhoods full of bacteria. And when you turn them on, high-powered jets are shooting those germs into your hands. Okay, looks like I won't be eating lunch today. Yeah, I'll say. Before I get to the study itself, I will say that this story has a really cool and positive side that has everything to do with the researcher. This study came from Zita Nguyen from Louisville, Kentucky. She is a 16-year-old high school sophomore who conducted this study and demonstrated her findings at the Regeneron International Science and Engineering Fair in Dallas, Texas. 16? She sounds awesome. Right? And she had heard all of those stories about blow dryers spreading bacteria during the pandemic, and she wanted to get to the bottom of it. So she had volunteers wash their hands in bathrooms at a mall and at a gas station. She had them dry their hands in three different ways. Five inches from the hand dryer, 12 inches from the hand dryer, and with a hand towel. So why the different distances? She had a hunch that if germs were actually coming out of the blower, then the distance from the nozzle would affect how many germs actually made it to your hands. Smart. Okay, so what were the results? They were not great. After swabbing the participants' hands and incubating the results in a Petri dish for a few days, there were fewer than 50 colonies of fungi in the samples from the hand towels and from the hands that were held further away from the blower. But in the samples from close to the blower... Do I even want to know? Over 130 colonies of fungus on average. Okay, I won't be eating dinner either. So, why do these machines have so much gross stuff in them? If you think about it, a bathroom is a bit of a closed system. The toilets in public restrooms seldom have lids, right? So, every time you flush, whatever's in the toilet is sprayed into the air in microscopic droplets. The air that blows out of those dryers has to come from somewhere. I didn't actually think of that. So those little tornado machines are sucking up all those germs. Bullseye. But it's even worse than that. Those things get nice and warm, don't they? Oh, and germs love a nice, warm, cozy home. 
So maybe we chalk those blowers up to a nice idea with unintended consequences? If Zita's findings hold true, then that's a good way to put it. Well, despite the grossness of her study, I'm still kind of inspired by Zita's work. Well, totally. It just goes to show a little curiosity can go a long way to unraveling the secrets of our world. Who knows, maybe one of our young listeners out there will conduct their own study and we'll be talking about it here soon. Oh, that would blow me away. <laughs> see, see what I did there? Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a pun. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Researchers used brain recordings and AI to reconstruct a recognizable version of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall from test subjects listening to the song. This research could help give voice back to those who have lost it. So one day your brainwaves might actually say, we don't need no thought control. Scientists at Ohio State University created a superhero-themed anatomy course called Super Anatomy that used characters like Deadpool and Elastigirl to explain complex topics. Surveys showed that the pop culture references boosted student motivation and enjoyment while still producing strong learning outcomes. According to 16-year-old science whiz Zita Nguyen, Hot air hand dryers in public bathrooms blast germs right back onto your clean hands. This clever 16-year-old uncovered the gnarly truth about hand dryers for her science fair project. Might want to stick to paper towels next time you go to the movies. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 